Father, it's above the name of, of aches and pains. Father, it's the name above disease and sickness. Father, it's that great name. It's a powerful name, Father. It's a beautiful name. We thank you for giving us access to your name, Father, to use your name to stand in authority in the earth, Father, and to declare that your will will be done by your name. Thank you, Father, for the name of Jesus. And Father, we give you all praise and honor for that, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Well, is the, is the name of Jesus, has it been given to the church? It has been given to the church. Amen. And uh, that means we have access to it. That means we get to use it. And um, uh, where is the authority of the church wrapped up into? It's wrapped up in the name of Jesus, right? So it's not in other actions. It's not in the physical Bible. You know, we don't take the Bible and lay it on people. It's not, uh, uh, I know uh, we use, uh, uh, well, not we, but we as a church, uh, we'll use the blood of Jesus sometimes as a, as a statement of authority. Um, sometimes we use the crucifix, right, uh, for authority. But um, we should follow the word, amen. amen. And uh, when Peter was at the, at the gate beautiful, he said, in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. He didn't say, you know, um, any other words. That's what he used, amen. amen. Uh, and so uh, that's, uh, that's the direction that the head of the church has given to us. That's the way we should uh, fall in line, amen. Yes. Uh, and so, uh, and of course, in the area of healing, this is healing school. Uh, we can use healing just like Peter did in, in there in Acts chapter 3. Uh, we can use the name of Jesus to obtain healing, amen? amen. Uh, because we're really standing in authority declaring that our bodies will line up with the word of God. Amen. And so sometimes we use that authority to override uh, the will of the sickness. Uh, remember, Jesus rebuked the fever sometimes. So sometimes you use the, the name of Jesus to speak to the sickness and disease. Uh, sometimes we use the name of Jesus to... Uh, to take authority over um, the demonic powers that are trying to cause us to be sick. And um, you have to, the only way to know the distinction of when you should use one versus the other is uh, by the Spirit of God, amen? The Spirit of God will lead you and guide you and direct you uh, into how you should deal with the particular sickness and disease that's, that's uh, attacking your own body, amen? Uh, and so there are no rules, there's no uh, particular guidelines about uh, well if it's a sickness it's always this type of uh, influence um, you know, sometimes Jesus just declared them to be healed in the name of Jesus uh, he didn't use the name of Jesus but he just uh, declared them to be healed uh, and no specific uh, declaration against any um, against the disease itself or against any demonic influence he just commanded the body to be well uh, and so sometimes you just command the body to be well so, there, again, there's no uh, hard and fast rules about that, um, which disappoints the church sometimes because we like laws, right? We like formulas. We like it to be done always this way. And, and, and what you'll find is if you try to put all sickness and disease in a box and try to always approach it the same way, you will not be successful in every case because every case is unique and every case has to be done according to the will and plan uh, of the Lord. He understands what is necessary for that sickness and disease to deal with it. And so, uh, and then sometimes the Lord will just tell you, change this natural thing in your life, and that's sufficient to overcome the sickness because a sickness could be caused just because of poor habits or, or uh, not even necessarily poor habits, but just something that you can change in the natural realm to deal with that. Uh, and that's fine too because it's still supernatural, isn't it? Yes. Amen. Uh, and so, 
So we thank the Lord for that. Amen. And, and so we're here in uh, Lillian B. Yeoman's book, um, and we're in this uh, chapter about feelings and, and healings. Uh, and, you know, our emotions and what we feel, you know, our emotions come from the soulless realm, right? Yeah. Uh, how we feel. Do we feel, uh, do we feel like the Lord has heard our prayers? So she's talking about that aspect of feeling, but it's also uh, from the standpoint of aches and pains and the symptoms that we're dealing with. Um, and so those, uh, the, the, the symptoms and how we feel, do we feel well, do we feel sick? Those are in the natural realm, right? Those are, those are voices of your natural body speaking to you, either through pain or how it feels, whether it's tired or uh, whatever the symptom is. Uh, those are in the natural realm. Uh, so you either get feelings from your emotions in the, in the soulless realm or you get feelings from your body in the natural realm. Uh, but uh, when Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, the only truth is, comes from the spirit realm. Uh, and so you have to train yourself to, you know, you can recognize that there's an ache or pain. You can recognize that the symptoms are there. Uh, that's fine. But you can't use those to judge whether or not the Lord is uh, faithful to do what he says he's going to do. Amen. So if you... If you pray for healing and you still have the symptom there, uh, your feelings will say, well, then you didn't get it. Um, and uh, if you listen to that, if you listen to the feelings of your symptoms, uh, they're not, they're, they're liars, right? Uh, because sometimes, uh, it's been my observation, sometimes the devil will put a symptom upon you that uh, there's no sickness behind it, he, it's just a symptom. And then what he's trying to do is get you to hook up with that symptom to open the door so that the actual sickness comes behind that symptom. Uh, and so um, you, you've got to be careful about who you listen to. Amen. Uh, and so uh, what she said is believe the word and your feelings will fall in line with that, uh, with the word. Amen. Uh, and that's and that's really important to do is to develop your faith from the standpoint that uh, your faith is always preeminent in your life. And, and so when there is sickness and disease, um, you know, you do whatever you whatever you sense you need to do, because sometimes you need to go to the doctor uh, for whatever reason. Sometimes you need to take your medication. So we're not against doctors. We're not against medication. Um, we're for the spirit of God. Amen. We're for the word, the word of God. Uh, and so uh, but if you believe uh, what the word says, then at some point in time, your emotions, because uh, sometimes when you pray and you don't get healing immediately, sometimes your emotions work against you. Uh, and they start condemning you and beating you up. You know, well, you're no count. You know, you're, you're not faithful enough. You're, you don't have enough faith. Uh, and it's counterproductive. And so you need to get to where those feelings and emotions and words in your own, in your own thought life are not working against you. And if you'll believe the word uh, uh, long enough and train yourself well enough, eventually those, those, uh, those comments and those thoughts from your own life uh, will be pretty much unheard of. You know, the, every now and then they'll still come up, but for the most part, they have very little regard in your life. Um, and so, uh, but, you, but it takes a while to get there. You have to train yourself that uh, the Word of God is the only voice that I listen to. The Spirit of God is the only voice that I listen to. I don't listen to the voice of my emotions, and I don't listen to the voice of my body to tell me these things. I listen to the voice of my spirit, amen? <clears throat> and so, uh, because there, there's been plenty of times when, um, I knew in my heart that I had received the healing and it took a while for the symptoms to, to dissipate. Uh, but I knew that I had, had got there by the Spirit of God. I knew that I had, had arrived at there 
uh, at that point in time. So you have to be led by your own spirit. And so, you know, of course, in that, uh, we could, we've taught from, uh, sometimes for months on being led by the Spirit of God. And it's, a, and it's a valuable asset, but it's not an area that the church knows a lot about as a whole, right? The church knows how to be led by their feelings, how, how to be led by their circumstances, how to be led by uh, their, uh, their physical pains and aches. They know how to be led by that. But when it comes to being led by the realm of the Spirit, uh, a lot of times they're, they're kind of at a loss. They don't really know how to do that. So, uh, so she, she uh, read uh, our, what our friend Job said. And so let's turn over to Job chapter 19. So um, Job said in um, Job 19, verse 25, uh, it says, For I know that my Redeemer liveth, and that he shall stand at that latter day upon the earth. And so her point uh, in using this particular uh, verse here uh, was how Job so adamantly said, For I know that my Redeemer liveth. And we have no evidence that he ever saw the Lord, right? We don't know that... uh, uh, the Lord ever appeared to him in any vision or any other way, uh, but he knew. Amen. Uh, and um, she, when she read the book of Job and looked at the symptoms that he had, uh, she came to the conclusion that he had leprosy, although we don't know for sure what he had, uh, but she thinks that, uh, uh, that he had leprosy. And in the midst of him having leprosy, uh, he said, for I know that my Redeemer liveth. And Job was not perfect. Of course, we spent quite a bit of time not long ago talking about Job. He was not perfect, uh, and he didn't know the, the will of God and a plan of God and, and a lot of things, uh, but he still clung to his faith in the Lord, amen? And, uh, you know, sometimes, even on our ignorance, just like Job was fairly ignorant about some things, uh, he still clung to his faith that uh, I know that my Redeemer liveth. Uh, and, you know, sometimes there have been times in prayer that, Lord, I don't know anything else, but I know that you live. Uh, and sometimes that's enough, right? And, and she said, give me this knowledge every time and away with with. I feel. I don't care what I feel when I know. Uh, and um, it does take a while to get there because especially in this world, we're trained to listen to your body, listen to your mind, listen to your, listen to, uh, your feelings, uh, and go with those things because that's all the world knows, right? They, they don't have any concept of listening to the spirit realm. Uh, and so, <clears throat> so that's, she wants that knowledge and, and uh, that... Um, uh, she doesn't care what she feels. Uh, and so uh, she talked about how God works in our lives and uh, what is the work of God? She asked a question. Uh, the work of God is to redeem her, right? Uh, and so she got to that point where, where she wanted to know the Lord. Of course, Paul said, you know, that I might know him, you know, in the power of his resurrection. Uh, and in reading the word of God, you know, in developing our, our relationship with the Lord, that should be a pretty high priority in, in our, our lives. It's, it's uh, you know, a lot of times people want to know the word. I want to know the doctrine. I want to know, you know, uh, what, the, what, the, uh, what this verse means or what that verse means. Uh, and that's all well and good. But really, our ultimate goal needs to be, I want to know the Lord. I want to know who he is. And the purpose of the word of God is to reveal the Lord to us, right? Is to reveal who he is. So not just what he does, but who he is. Uh, and that's why, you know, I enjoy reading the Gospels a lot because I get to see who Jesus uh, was. I get to see how he reacted, how he acted uh, in, in the midst of difficulty. 
Uh, and, of course, all of the Word of God is pointing us to knowing who the Lord is. Uh, and, and so that, that becomes important to us, right? Uh, and then um, uh, when she talked about being redeemed, uh, what is the work of God to redeem her, but redeem her from what? Uh, and, of course, our, our famous verse, let's turn over to Galatians 3.13, because I think it's, uh, it's really a, a good foundation scripture for us to know in our hearts what this means, right? And so, uh, and, you know, by law, we have to know this verse as a charismatic person, right? Uh, but um, Paul's telling us here in Galatians 3.13, he says, Christ hath redeemed us. So is that uh, past tense or present tense? Past tense, right? He hath redeemed us from the curse of the law. Uh, and so, you know, one of the things that the Lord showed me one time in reading this is he redeemed us from the curse of the law, but he never redeemed us from the blessings of the law. So when the blessings of the law say, if you do this, then you'll be blessed in this way, that still applies to us, right? He didn't do away with the law. He just did, did away with the curse of the law. He redeemed us from the curse of the law. Um, he didn't redeem us from the blessings of the law. And so how did, he, how did he do that? Well, he became a curse for us. He was made a curse for us. Uh, and, and, of course, whose will was it that he was made a curse? Who's, who, desi who desired for Jesus to be made a curse for us? Well, the Father did, right? Uh, and, of course, it sounds odd, but... Uh, the key is that he did it for us, right? He didn't do it for any other reason. He did it because it was necessary. Uh, and so uh, he redeemed us from the curse of the law. So when does the curse of the law come? Uh, I mean, if you, if you were in the Old Testament, when would the curse of the law come? Uh, when you're in disobedient to the, to the law, right? Uh, and so the curse is only for the guilty, right? Uh, the curse of the law is not for the innocent. The curse of the law is um, is only for the guilty. So if we've been redeemed from the curse of the law and uh, tomorrow, uh, and of course, uh, we've, we've gone all this before, uh, but it's really hard sometimes for us to say this. But if we sin tomorrow, will the curse of the law come upon us? No. <laughs> There's a little bit of pause there, right? Uh, uh, if we have been redeemed from the curse, Today, and because of the work of the Lord Jesus at the cross, then if we sin tomorrow, we're not going to get the curse of law because we've been redeemed from the curse of law because the whole point of the curse of law comes when we sin. So uh, if we sin, then we don't get the curse of the law because we have been today been redeemed from that curse. Amen. So that means there's no ramification for sin. No, there's plenty of ramifications for sin. Uh, but before there was a legal right for the devil to come in and bring in whatever curse he wanted to. And now he doesn't do that. It's, it's, uh, you know, it's different. There are still ramifications for sinning in the New Testament, but it's not uh, uh, as strong of a legal case it was as in the Old Testament. Uh, and so, but it would be, it'd be helpful for you to just meditate on, you know, if I, if I sin, of course, does anybody want to sin? Are we trying to sin? Are we looking for license to sin? Uh, that's all messed up, right? We're not trying to look for sin. Uh, but if you do sin, uh, you've got to know that the curse of the law is not going to come upon you. Uh, and so, and of course, that will get you thrown out of some, even some charismatic churches, right? But I didn't write this. Who wrote this? The Lord wrote this, right, through the, through the hands of Paul. And uh, the, literally, the curse of the law is for the guilty. So if you do ever do anything uh, that, that, obtain, that results in guilt, then this is for you. This is not for the Christian who does, who does perfect things in their lives, who never makes a mistake. Uh, this is for all of us that have made mistakes in our lives. Amen. Uh, and so, uh, so he was made a curse for us 
So if he was made a curse for us and we sin tomorrow, are we going to be made a curse then? No, no because he was made a curse for us, right? He was made a curse for the guilty, amen? Yeah. Uh, and, so not, and just not for the world guilty, right? It's true that he, may, he was a curse for the world who's guilty, but also for the church. If we ever sin, we're guilty of that sin, aren't we? Well, he was made a curse for that sin, amen? Uh, he, wasn't made a, he, he didn't die just for the sins of the people outside the, the covenant of the Lord. He died for the whole world, right? So that would include the covenant people of God and for those who are outside the covenant of God. Uh, and so, uh, but, you know, that whole area, just that short discussion, that's a real, that's a real uh, uh, difficult area to teach in the church because people have got very strong opinions about that. Uh, but they're not based upon the word of God. They're based upon how they think justice should be uh, deployed in the church. Well, if you sin, you know, then, then you're guilty and, you know, all, all the curse is going to come upon you. Right. Uh, and so and yet if this is true, Jesus wasn't made a curse of the laws only of things that happened yesterday. He was made a curse for all the sin, sins that are going to happen for all time. Amen. Uh, for the sins that are going to happen tomorrow and the day after tomorrow and five days from now and, and five years from now. Either he was made a curse for all the, the uh, shortcomings of the law or he was only made for the shortcomings of the law that happened before you came on the earth, right? Uh, well, that wouldn't make any sense. Then, 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 then his redemption uh, is only partial, right? But his redemption was complete. He was made a curse for all the infractions of the law because the curse of the law comes when there's a when there's a violation of the law uh, and so uh, and and you just have to you have to meditate on that because so many christians when they sin and, and you know on occasion they will amen uh, that doesn't we're not giving a license for that we're not saying it's okay but on occasion you will probably may miss the mark amen uh, and not just some horrible deep you know uh, open public fornication kind of sin but sometimes, you know, you have, a, have an unkind word. Sometimes you harbor ill will towards somebody. Sometimes uh, you worry. Uh, sometimes you, you know, uh, hold a grudge against somebody. Um, uh, and all of those are still sins. All of those are still missing the mark from the Lord. And all of those under the Old Testament would open you up to the curse of the law. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, I remember that uh, and I saw... A minister just get mad about, you know, in, in the book of Malachi talks about uh, that if you don't tithe and bring your offerings, you're cursed with a curse. Well, that's because the law said to tithe. Right. And when you're in disobedience to the law, then you were under a curse. But if you don't tithe or give offerings today, you're not cursed with a curse. It doesn't matter what the, what some preacher on TV says. If Galatians 3.13 is so, if you never tithe or give another offering the rest of your life, you are not cursed. Now, you're not blessed either, right? I mean, you don't get a blessings for not doing the law, the, the word of, of the Lord, right? Did he say to give and to tithe? He did say to give and to tithe. So, so you don't get the blessings that come along with obedience, right? Because you're not obedient, but you don't get the curse. So you're kind of in that no man's land. And, and uh, Paul did say, don't, don't uh, give license to the devil. So, you know, you do open yourself up to the work of the devil, but um, uh, it's not because of the law. It's because of your, uh, your own actions. And so... Uh, th this teaching is not about about all of that, but uh, uh, I think it would help us because I think what happens a lot of times is when we make a mistake and when we sin, um, when we sh come short of the glory of God in our lives, even as Christians, and then something bad happens to us, 
we say, well, you know, I brought that up on myself. And so, you know, uh, we almost feel like we have to take the punishment of that. But the, the problem with that mentality is, let's say that it's true that you really did sin. And let's say that it's true that, that due to that sin, you open up the, the door to the devil and he came in by, by your own license of sinning and doing something. Uh, but see, at that point, you still have to remember, but Christ redeemed me from the curse of the law. And you've got to remember that he redeemed you even after you become a Christian, that redemption is still in play, right? That that payment for that curse is still is still all sufficient, is still valid in every circumstance. And uh, if you think that you should suffer for your own sins, then what you're saying is that the substitutionary work that Jesus did was not sufficient. And I need to add to his substitution by adding my substitution along with his. And that with my substitution or my own personal sacrifice of sin, along with the sacrifice of Jesus, then we can get this sin paid for. And that's really uh, wacko thinking, right? That's not biblical at all. Amen. Your sacrifice will in no way help you to achieve payment for your sins. Amen. Because first of all, your sacrifice is an invalid sacrifice. You go back in the book of Leviticus and it talks about how there can't be any blemish, how there can't be any spot on, on these uh, on these sacrificial animals and with you having a sin and trying to take that sin in your own life and to sacrifice your own life with your sin to make payment for that sin you're not qualified you would be rejected if you if if uh, you went to the high priest with your hey i came to sacrifice myself because i've sinned and i need to pay for my sin and the, the high priest would say no you're not a clean sacrifice uh, you've been tainted by your own sin so you're not qualified. Sorry, you're rejected. And now you're doubly stuck, right? Because now even, even your own sacrifice of your own life is not sufficient. And it would never be sufficient. Uh, that's the whole reason why Jesus had to come, because you were never qualified to pay for your own sins. And yet, uh, many times in our mind, when the sin has opened the door to sickness and disease, and it can, and oftentimes it does, we want to sacrifice our own lives in order to pay for that sin. Uh, and Jesus is shaking his head, dummy, what's wrong with you? This was done at the cross, right? Either Jesus uh, was made a curse for us, uh, for a, a complete and total curse for us, for all sins, or he wasn't. Uh, and if he was, then, then a person of faith will remember that and recognize that and say, well, I sinned, and although I did open up the door to the devil for this, I have a, a right and a privilege by what Jesus did to... Uh, claim forgiveness for that sin, get back right with the Lord, and then deal with that sickness and disease after that. Uh, now, that, that takes a person of faith to live that way. Amen? Now, I understand there are people who just sin and repent, sin and repent, sin and repent, and they're really just baby Christians, right? They, they never grow up, and, and that's just kind of a normal, they just, you know, they get mad all the time. They're, uh, you know, they, they cheat and lie and steal all the time. They're just baby Christians, right? And uh, and they'll never grow up in that, in that and never really know the Lord like they should. Amen. Uh, and, uh, and yet they still have, in one sense, childlike faith. You know, they, 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 they are baby Christians and they will still cry out to the Lord and get, uh, get healed and get uh, forgiven. Um, and, and, you know, uh, Brother Hagen talked a lot about that in his ministry because he would see people. Uh, in fact, he, uh, there was one lady came to him and said, hey, um, um, uh, can you explain something to me? She said, uh, we've got, uh, there's two groups of my family that come to this church, one on one side of the family, one on the other side of the family. And she says, the other side of the family, 
she said, uh, and they live like heathens all the time. I mean, just mad, fighting all the time and whatever, and, and um, uh, come to church and get prayed for and get healed uh, instantly. And she said, then we've got this other side of the family that, that's in church all the time and does good all the time, and yet um, they, they seem like they never get healed. Uh, and, you know, that doesn't that seem odd, right? Uh, and, she, and he said, well, you haven't asked me a question yet. She said, well, I want to know how come, you know, why is that, you know? He said, well, I don't have a, a thus saith the Lord or anything. He said, but, but, but uh, I, would, I would guess, uh, just looking at the circumstances, that the, that the healing family, that they're quick to repent, quick to believe God, quick to believe in, in the healing power of God, and that the other side of the family is, uh, 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 they may forgive, but it probably takes them a long time to forgive, and they'll forgive eventually, maybe, but, uh, but, uh, uh, but it takes them a long time to do that. And she said, that's exactly right. She said, this family, they're fighting all the time, but they'll fight on a Saturday night, get up a Sunday morning, kiss and hug each other, and like all is, all is well. And this other family, you do something wrong with them. And she said, they'll forgive you, but they'll take as long as they can and hold it as long as they can against you. Uh, uh, and, and, and so, you know, which one is really doing the, the will of God? Well, I mean, even though they're baby Christians, they still will believe God. Oh, yeah, I get healed. Well, don't you think you deserve to be in sickness because, you, well, no, God loves me, you know. But they'll act like a heathen tomorrow. And, and, you know, it just it boggles our minds sometimes. Why? That's not fair. Right. Because you've got this saint of God, so to speak, that's here all the time at church. You know, but a lot of times people are in church because they're thinking they're buying the favor of God. Well, Lord, I've been in church, you know, for six months in a row. Uh, I deserve to be healed. I have earned the right to be healed by my good works. And that's messed up thinking. But how many people in a church are that way? Now, there was one lady that, in fact, he was praying for going down a prayer line and praying for her. And, uh, and uh, everybody loved her. She, you know, she's a saint of God in the church. But she was praying as he was going to pray for her. And she, and she said these words or something similar to this. Lord, I, I'm the most faithful person in this church. I give more than anybody else gives in this church. I work harder than anybody else in this church. Therefore, you have to heal me. So she was thinking that her good works earned her and purchased the right to be healed. But what purchased our right to be healed? It's the work of Jesus, right? It was the, the being made a curse for us. He was made a curse. How, how are you going to compete with that? And you have to get your mind renewed that nothing you do earns the right to be healed. Amen. Other than just your faith, of course, right? But the, you're not earning it. You're just simply believing what the Lord has already said. Uh, but we've got to get out of that mindset that, that my good works uh, so it means I can just live like a heathen. I mean, you know, if you want to. But the problem with living like a heathen is even as a Christian is you miss out on all the blessings of the Lord. You miss out on living in days and weeks and months and years in peace in uh, no sickness. And, you know, it's not just getting healed. It's living in divine health. Amen. You can go for for years in divine health, uh, living like a Christian. Amen. Uh, the folks that are, you know, sin and repent, sin and repent, sin and repent. They're also dealing with sickness and disease and, and poverty and lack and, you know, all kinds of other things. You know, they'll, they'll get uh, uh, some relief on occasion. Uh, but as far as living a consistent, stable life, they'll never live a stable life uh, as a Christian living that way. Uh, but the thing that we've got to remember is my sacrifice does not uh, compete with the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. My sacrifice is completely rejected and unworthy and unable to be a valid, a valid sacrifice to obtain what I desire from the Lord. Uh, and yet uh, it's so easy for us to fall in that trap. Well, Lord, I just, you know, I just I deserve this 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 sickness. 
Well, do you deserve that sickness any more than you deserve the healing power of God? You don't deserve anything. I mean, you know, I mean, uh, if it was so, we would all deserve to, to die and go to hell, right? But, but your actions uh, can be, uh, uh, you can use the, your faith in God to override your actions, amen? And so uh, Galatians 3.13 is really a, a very powerful verse if you'll spend time and meditate on it, right? Because either Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, Again, who is the curse for? For the guilty, right? It's not for the innocent, amen? Uh, so that means all of us fall into this category, right? So if all of us fall into the category of being worthy of the curse, then uh, how many of us have been redeemed from the curse? All of us have been redeemed from the curse, right? Uh, and so, uh, and, uh, and, and it explains why that is so, because cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. Uh, and of course, that's that's a quote from the Old Testament law that if you hang, if you get hung on a tree, then you're cursed. And, and uh, that's a really a bummer, right? Because, I mean, you know, I would just plan on hanging on a tree. Right. But uh, uh, but it was more than that. Right. And, and so for whatever reason, that's the deal. Right. And of course, that's why Jesus had to go to the cross. Uh, and and and, you know, it's really hard for me to read verse 13 without also reading verse 14, because verse 14 if you, if you study like the whole plan of redemption and all the things Jesus did and all the, all the work that he did uh, to complete the plan of redemption, right? Then the whole work of redemption is completed in verse 14. Uh, and so it says that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the spirit through faith. And so a lot of times we think, well, redemption is to pay for my sins, but that's not what redemption was for. Redemption was for uh, me to be healed. By his stripes, I was healed. Uh, no, that's not why redemption was for. Redemption was for me getting into heaven. That's not what the plan of redemption was for. The plan of redemption was to get the promise of the Spirit into your life. Everything else was things that were necessary to lead up to that, right? So he had to remove the, the stain of sin. He had to remove... The fact that you were not alive spiritually. He had to take care of you being born again. Uh, and, and so all of those things that he did, they were only leading up to the final result of redemption, which is verse 14, that we'd receive the promise of the spirit through faith. Uh, and uh, that's why there's so much uh, fighting in the church about the spirit of God and the ministry of the spirit of God. Because it wasn't just getting you born again. That really wasn't the end game the, because uh, once you got born again, all that did was make you qualified to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit uh, and to get the Spirit of God in you to be filled with the Spirit. Uh, so uh, the sin issue, the lack of being born again issue, all of that was, was to leading up to getting you qualified to stand at that one point in history and to receive the Spirit of God uh, with, you know, according to uh, the, the day of Pentecost, that type of uh, receiving the Spirit of God. That was the end game. That was the whole desire of the Lord to do all these things so that he could empower us with his spirit to lead a life on this earth that was both pleasing to him and useful to him, that he could then uh, use our lives to advance his kingdom. Amen? Amen. And we can only do that, of course, by being filled with the spirit. So, uh, and we know this because we say this many times, but how many people did the Lord in, uh, desire in the church to be Pentecostal people? All of us, right? He desired all the church to speak with other tongues, to be baptized with the Holy Spirit, right? and, to, uh, and to allow the gift of the Spirit to manifest in their lives 
uh, as he saw fit. Uh, and that was the end game. That was the ultimate end game of the Lord. So if you look at the church as a whole, you know, I don't know what the percentage of uh, uh, people are that are charismatics, but uh, there's one to two billion Christians in the world. Uh, and maybe 10 percent of them are charismatics, if that many. Um, well, that you think about that as far as the people that God does desire to uh, empower to complete his work on the cross, you know, you've got all of the entire army of God, but only 10 percent of them are qualified to do it the way he wanted it to be done. Amen. Uh, and that's not to disparage anybody who, who's not spirit filled. You know, we don't, they're, they're still going to go to heaven, right? They're still going to and they may stumble across and on occasion help some people. Uh, that's all well and good, but it's not how the head of the church intended it to be done. Amen. And if the head of the church intended us to be spirit filled to speak with other tongues, then what should we do? We should be spirit filled and speak with other tongues. Amen. Well, I don't I don't I don't I don't feel like that's for me. Well, then send a letter to the head of the church and tell him that, you know, although you decided that you wanted us to do that, I think you're wrong. Uh, and um, uh, and let me know how that works out for you. Right. Uh, and so uh, so uh, and let me know when you send that, because I want to make sure I stand far away from you because lightning can scatter sometimes. Right. And so he's not going to really zap you or anything there. But um, uh, but um, so one more time, if we sin, are we cursed with a curse? No. Why? Because he, he was made a curse for us, amen? So now we're no longer made a curse, amen? Uh, and so it's really hard to pull that out of people, right? Uh, uh, and, and as many times I say that, you know, there's still a little pause, right? It's like, well, what's the right answer, right? Uh, <laughs> but but uh, it, that's what it says. If that's what it says, then that's what it says, amen? So we've got to go on and, and just believe that, amen? Uh, and so, uh, so the work of the Lord is, is redeeming us. And what is he redeeming us from the curse of the broken law, uh, which includes every disease that uh, the flesh is heir to. Right. That's what she said. Uh, and you go back to the book of Deuteronomy, talks about if you if you sin, you curse with this curse. And it gives you a whole list of of sickness and disease. In fact, let's go back to just real quick and read the, the, the final verse of that. So Deuteronomy 28, uh, when it starts on all the curses. Uh, it says the curse would be the fruit of your body. Um, uh, and then uh, pestilence will cleave unto thee, smite thee with consumption, with fever, inflammation, uh, extreme burning. So not just burning, extreme burning. I don't know what burning is, but uh, whatever it is, it sounds worse if it's extreme, right? Uh, with blasting and mil I mean, mildew, right? I mean, you know, uh, I guess some of our showers have been cursed, right? They got mildew on them. And so uh, he, he goes through all kinds of Smit before your enemies, smite thee with the botch of Egypt, emeralds, the scab, the itch, uh, madness, blindness, astonishment of heart, um, uh, the fruit of the land, all thy labors. Uh, and I'm just kind of, you know, skimming through some of these things. The Lord shall smite thee in the knees and the legs, a sore botch that cannot be healed. Um, and so all of these things are things. And he, and he said these things come about when you disobey his word, right? Uh, and he continues on, you know, that, and that's just about half of them. And he goes through about, there's about uh, 80, uh, I marked down 87 different curses. And number 80 in verse 61 says, And also every sickness and every plague which is not written in the book of this law, then will the Lord bring upon thee until thou be destroyed. So that tells us that if every sickness and every plague is part of the curse, then uh, it, did God create that? Is God using that to help you 
some sickness and disease? Is God going to put some particular sickness and disease or some plague upon you to teach you, to instruct you? No, because it says right there that every sickness and every plague is part of the curse. And so if we've been redeemed from the curse of the law, then that means we're redeemed for how many different kinds of sicknesses and diseases? All of them, right? Because verse 61 tells us that every sickness and every disease is part of the curse. So, uh, and these things are not hard to understand. Sometimes they're hard to, to accept. Uh, they're not hard for me to accept, but sometimes when people have been taught all their life that, well, sometimes God uses sickness to, to uh, help you. And yet it says right there that every sickness and every plague is part of the curse. And Galatians 3.13 says, but we've been redeemed from the curse. That means we've been purchased out of that curse so that, so that the curse no longer has a right to come upon our lives. Amen. Uh, and so, <clears throat> uh, so, uh, so she finished up that particular chapter uh, with that comment about the curse of the law. Uh, and so you've got to, this is where faith has to come in. You've got to get to where um, you believe that Galatians 3.13 is so uh, and that you've been redeemed from every curse so that when, uh, when and if any sickness or disease comes upon you, you've got to get out of your feelings. Well, I feel like I deserve this. I feel like I brought this upon myself. And you've got to get out of that mindset because what you're saying is the work of the cross was not sufficient for my life. It was good enough for them, but not good enough for me. Which, you know, of course, we wouldn't really say that because that sounds, you know, almost like blasphemy because it really is blasphemy, right? Uh, but uh, we act like that sometimes, though, right? We may not verbalize it, but sometimes our feelings will, will make us feel like I'm unworthy to receive the blessings of the Lord. Uh, and uh, are you breathing air? Uh, if you are, then you're worthy to receive the blessings of the Lord. Amen. Uh, and so get your feelings in line uh, and don't uh, don't let your uh, symptoms dictate to you what the word of God says. Amen. Uh, and so uh, let's go through a few questions here. You want to? <clears throat> uh, so question number one says, I'm not saved because I feel good, but because of what? Uh, the Lord Jesus bore my sins in his own body. So uh, are your feelings uh, necessary for you to believe that you're saved? Uh, do you have to feel saved in order to be saved? No, you don't have to be, feel saved to be saved, right? Uh, and so uh, question number two says, believe the word and your feelings will do what? Fall in line with it, right? Uh, and... You know, even on that, uh, what I would encourage you to do is, is this is not a one time. Well, I believed. And so from now on, the rest of my life, my feelings will always be in line. That is not going to happen. Right. <laughs> what will happen is uh, you'll believe the word and your feelings will be like, eh, I'm not sure about that. And see, so what do you got to do? You got to go back and believe the word again. No, I believe the word. So it takes a, a consistent diligence on your part in order to, to get your emotions lined up with with what the word actually says. Amen. So. It's not a one-time deal and you never have to deal with that again. You'll probably have to deal with that, you know, even to some extent, all the days of your life. You know, hopefully it'll get better and better uh, and it should get better and better as you go on uh, in faith. Amen. Um, and she said, uh, number three was the only way to take, take the medicine of the word is to do what? Believe is to believe it, right? Uh, believe it no matter how you feel. Um, you know, when you get your little medicine bottle, right, from the, from the pharmacist and it says uh, directions, take uh, uh, one pill three times a day, that's the, the, that's the directions, right? Well, I just think I'll take three, one a day. Yeah. Nope. Was that what it says? 
Well, it's easier, right? But, is, but if, that, if that's not what the instructions say, then, uh, and you violate the instructions, well, I just think one, one a day is plenty, right? I don't, three, that just sounds excessive, right? Uh, and I know better than a pharmacist who went to school for a thousand years, right? Uh, no, uh, we follow the directions, right? Now, if you're wise, you follow the directions. I, I can't tell you how many times I've heard people, I went to the doctor and they said, well, this, I ain't doing that. Well, then die. I mean, you know, I don't know. I don't want to die, but, you know, it's always the craziest thing for me that you go to the, go to the doctor and they've been to, what, uh, I mean, a hundred years of schooling, whatever it is, and have, and have treated a hundred people just like you and to tell you, well, if you do this, you know, it'll, it'll help. Well, I ain't doing that. <laughs> uh, well, the only way to take the medicine of the word is to do what? Believe it. believe it. Well, by his stripes, I was healed. I don't believe that. That ain't for me today. Well, there's the prescription bottle right there. It tells you, here's how to get healed. Just believe that his, by his stripes you were healed. I don't, I don't, that's not for me today. Well, then what are you going to do, right? Well, you know, because that medicine now is of no effect to you, right? Uh, well, I, I, I take sugar pills instead, and I've heard sugar pills do it. You know, that's what Facebook said. You can take a sugar pill three times a day, and it does everything you need to do, right? Uh, and so, uh, no, the only way to take the medicine of the word is to actually believe it, amen? Uh, so not just read it, but to believe it, Amen. Uh, and so uh, question number four says, I don't care what I feel when what? When I know, right? What's that? What did someone else say? I know he is my redeemer and he lives. I know he's my redeemer and he lives, right? So we've got to get to where I know. Uh, and and that's, that, that's the thing where, you know, if I just come through and said, you know, is, is Jesus your healer? You know, a lot of times people will just repeat, oh, yes, Absolutely. But it doesn't come from a I know standpoint. It comes from a I'm supposed to say that standpoint. And there's a big difference from, from you just saying what you're supposed to say by law as a charismatic Christian versus what you know to be so. Uh, you know, if someone says, well, God would never heal you. Uh, well, yeah, he would. Absolutely he would because I know him. I know that he would because I know him. And, I, and because I know him, I know that he would heal me. Uh, and a lot of times... Uh, you don't even have to have book, chapter, and verse. If you know him and you know the general that he's, you know, for example, is God good? Amen. He's good, right? Uh, and if you just know that, you'd, you can get healed by just about anything. Uh, you don't have to know First Peter 2.24 and Isaiah 53 and Matthew 8.17 and, and Psalm 107.20 and Exodus 15.26. And, you know, you don't have to necessarily know all of those, but you know that he's good. Uh, you know, you can, you can know what Job said, that my, I know that my Redeemer liveth. And that, I mean, you know, that is plenty of faith right there to get the job done a lot of times. Amen. Amen. Uh, and then the last question is, what is the work of God? To redeem me, right? That's what he spent thousands of years, right? From, from Genesis chapter 3 until uh, the, the day of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Uh, that was the plan that he was working, right? And so that took, uh, you know, from Adam to Jesus was about 4,000 years. Uh, and so... He spent 4,000 years working the plan of redemption for you, just for you, right? Uh, and, you know, if you look at what he did, he did all of that work. And at the end of redemption, did he make anybody accept his work? Not a single person. He said, now I've done it. Now you hear, you take it. Take it now. Shut up. Take it. Uh, he, didn't know, he didn't make anybody. And you think about that. He could have done all of that and not a single person accepted him. I mean, that, there was a risk in doing that, right? That he could have done all that work because the way he set up that we're sovereign beings, we get to make a choice. It could have been, it could have turned out where he did all that work, spent 4,000 years planning redemption and working the redemption and not a single person got redeemed. Now, I'm thankful that 
millions and billions of people have been redeemed, but I mean, there's literally could have been just as many, uh, just much of a chance, zero people, amen, could have got redeemed. And so, so that was his work. He spent a lot of time and a lot of energy doing that for our benefit, amen. Uh, and, and you've got to, uh, you know, I meditate on just the whole plan, you know, the kind of the big picture plan of the word of God a, a lot of times, because uh, when you read the word of God with the, with the plan and understanding that, you know, you read the Old Testament and it's all, it's complicated and, it, and it's, you know, all these laws and, and then you get into the prophecies and all this is, it's complicated and all these stories of these kings and these fightings and these judges and uh, it all seems complicated. But if you, if you start putting it into the tunnel of all of this is to getting towards redemption, it all starts to make sense that, that his plan was to get from point A, which is Genesis chapter three of the fall to uh, the end of the Gospels where he was resurrected. A- and there was a lot of twists and turns and, and people going backwards and people instead of going straight, tending or left. And then he had to spend 100 years to get him, you know, loop back around, right? You ever, you ever follow your GPS and it says turn now and you don't turn now? And it's a rerouting and it takes you, you know, three blocks down the way, you know, and then over this way, back this way, just to get you back on that track. And, and that's what happened a lot of times with the redemption. He's He's... He's heading towards the goal of redeeming all of mankind. And mankind would go off on this, on this tangent for 100 years, 200 years, 300 years, you know. Uh, and he would have spent all the time getting them back, getting them back. You think about all the dark ages, right, when they, the, the church would only teach you in Latin because nobody understood Latin except for the guy standing behind the pulpit. And he didn't understand what he was saying most of the time. Uh, and he, he spent hundreds of years trying to get the church back on track trying to get the people back on track to get the plan of redemption into the earth, right? And all the laws and rules and regulations that the Jewish people kept heaping upon everything else, um, the Lord is so patient and kind towards us, amen? Amen. And so a a lot of that stuff you read in the Old Testament is just, it's got nothing to do with the redemption because they would mess up uh, and he'd he'd have to spend 40 years getting them back on track. And so all that time was just, time getting back on the recovery back on the gps plan towards redemption amen uh, and so it makes for interesting reading sometimes but you, and you're thinking well what's this got to do with anything a lot of times it's got nothing to do with nothing it's just the showing the failures of mankind and how in spite of the failures of mankind he was still able to complete the plan of redemption um, uh, and so we're thankful for that amen uh, and so so that that finishes up uh, that book and you know it's not maybe we start another one but i think we'll just end a little early today and we'll pick up because uh, she starts a whole nother topic about uh, walking on water and, um, you know, the example of Peter there and how that can be help help us with that. Um, and so. But I do want to encourage you in the area of feelings, uh, be careful about letting letting either your emotions or your symptoms dictate uh, what you believe that God is doing for you. Amen. It's really easy to fall in that trap, uh, but you've got to get to where, uh, you know, that symptom shows up every day. You're healed. You're still healed, you know, and you can get healed now. You can get healed tomorrow, but you're going to get healed. Uh, and that's the kind of the attitude we have to get sometimes where we have stayed, stay the course. And regardless of what we observe in the natural realm, either through our emotions or through our, our senses our five senses, we've got to stay with the faith of the word of God. Amen. Uh, and so let's pray and thank for his thank you. Thank him for his word today. So, Father, we do thank you that you are a redeemer and that you live. You're alive today. And you're alive today, Father, to watch over and oversee uh, the, the implementation of your plan of redemption into the people of, of the earth. Father, they come into your kingdom. 
and they get born again. They receive your spirit and become empowered to do the will of God. That's your plan and desire, Father. Everything else is just noise. All the sickness and disease that we deal with uh, is just noise. It's just things trying to keep us from your plan. Things trying to keep us from executing your plan in the earth. And so, Father, we thank you that when those obstacles come up in our life, we can we can say with all surety that uh, Christ hath redeemed me from the curse of the law. Therefore, I'm not required by any law to suffer under the sickness and disease, regardless of my actions, because if my actions brought that uh, sickness in, I can declare with all faith that yes, but Christ redeemed me from the law. And so, Father, we thank you for that. And we give you the praise and the honor for these things, Father, in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Well, praise God. Well, let's get ready to receive this afternoon's offering. And, you know, if you'll keep in your heart kind of the big picture plan of the Lord, that his plan is for the church to advance his kingdom, right? To preach the gospel. Uh, And that inside the church, sickness and disease is only inside the church to keep us and hinder us from doing that. Right. That's the only purpose. And then outside there, you know, the sickness and disease runs rampant because of sin. But inside the church, it's only there to hinder you from doing the plan and will of God in your life. Amen. It's not there to teach you. It's not there to instruct you. It's there to hinder you in every single time, every single case. Amen. And so come ahead, Mr. Jared. Uh, the nice thing is, uh, even though the world is suffering under, the, under sickness and disease, which they do, we as a church are empowered and have the right to go and take the healing power of God out to them. Amen. Uh, and really, all of us in here, you know, it's not just me, but all of us in here, uh, you, you, you've been in healing school now for years and years. Uh, you, you are all well prepared to pray for anybody. Amen. Uh, you are all well prepared to lay hands on any sick person, any sickness, any disease. Any of you all have enough knowledge and, and uh, faith in you to do that. Amen. Amen. Uh, and uh, that there's nothing better than, than the church individuals, you know, not just the pastor, but the individual of a church to understand that and be empowered to do that. Amen. Amen. Uh, and so praise God. Um, well, uh, it looks like we will still be here next Sunday. So I was hoping we would be back at our church, but uh, our church building. But it looks like we'll be here at least one Sunday, probably two more Sundays. I'm hoping not more than two more Sundays, but um, uh, it is what it is. Right. And um, I'm just glad that he said it only take two or three weeks to get done, because if he said two or three months, I mean, we may be here till Lord Jesus comes back. I don't know, you know, so. <laughs> so, uh, but uh, it's coming along. And so uh, it'll be nice when we get it done. Right. Uh, and so praise God. Uh, well, let's see. Um, I think that's it. And we've got some water. We're going to take over to the to the dry cleaner building there. And um, uh, we can break down everything and put it all back together. Right. So thank you all for coming out today. Be blessed and, and you're dismissed.